welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Uh, my name is Micah, if we haven't met, and I'm one of the pastors here at Awaken. Very glad that you're here. I was thinking, I think the future of the church is going to be fine. You know, like when all those kids are running out, like, oh my gosh, there are so many of them. Uh, that's fantastic. Lovely. Uh, I, I, I just am fresh off a boat. I was sailing last weekend up in the Apostle Islands in Bayfield, so the, the, the 35 mile an hour winds that you all were like, oh my gosh, it's terrible out there. We were... Uh, Man, that's insane. When the wind doesn't blow and you're sailing, it's really no fun. But when it blows, it can be a real blast. So we had a good time. No one went overboard. We brought everyone home that got on the boat, including myself. So that was good. And uh, we are, we're kicking off um, sort of fall, which basically doesn't mean much uh, in terms of like, you know, some churches rent bouncy houses and popcorn machines. And somebody asked me one time, like, so what's different on, a, on, on like, Awaken's kickoff weekend? And I was like, we just call it kickoff weekend. Um, but in all seriousness, you know, we tend to sort of slow our roll a little bit uh, around here in the summertime, taking our cues from Minnesota and enjoying the rhythms of summer and all that is fine and well. And our fall kickoff is really a declaration that that season is over. Uh, and I don't mean to be the bearer of bad news, but like, uh, if you're not aware of this, this is how life works. There are seasons. Um, seasons come and seasons go. Seasons begin and seasons end. And we want to just like, uh, everybody knows this. Uh, the earth knows it. The, the moon knows it. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the moon setting uh, in the mornings. Man, the tides know it. The waves know it. The birds know it. The plants know it. Even our bodies know it. So we just want to say like, that's true and that's real. And so summer's been great and it was wonderful and it was beautiful and we celebrate it and we, we look back on it with fond memories and also we want to embrace what's now, what's here, what's next. And so fall kickoff for us is just a, a sort of collective saying yes to that, that there's a transition happening. We're sending our kids back to school. We're putting our tax dollars to work. Praise the Lord. I got an amen in the front row. Uh, you know, we're inviting our kids and our youth to kids community and youth group. And we as a church are kind of collectively coming back together to say, God, what is it that you might have for us? Um, which is an excitement. There's an anticipation around what we might hear or what we might learn together or the ways in which God might stretch us over this next year. And it's also a time of the year when we often ask uh, important questions about the nature of the church. Globally, like what is the church and why, what is it doing and why is it here? But then also specifically for us, at Awaken, this expression in this location, what does it mean for us to be faithful to God and God's spirit among us? And so I want to take uh, just a few moments this morning, and I want to do that. I want to um, ask some questions about the nature of the church and why we're here. Uh, and, I, and I want to use this structure to kind of guide our time together. I want to look at three verses, which will sort of lead me to two questions. And, and then I want to offer one invitation to you. It's a, a three-two-one deal this morning. It's like homiletics 101, all right? Like I am rocking it now that I'm back. Just going back to the basics, right? This is a football. This is how you preach, people. Three, two, one. <laughs> so um, three, uh, three passages. I want to look at three passages. I want to sort of take you on a journey this morning. And we're going to start all the way in the beginning. And we're going to make it almost all the way to the end. And I'm going to do that in 30 minutes. Uh, and those three passages, I think, will, will speak into the two questions that I want to explore, that I want to ask. And that I think will sort of lead us to this invitation that I want to have, I want to give to you as the church gathered this morning, as it relates to your participation in the church, whether this one or elsewhere. 
if that's a good idea, if it's something worth your time and your energy and your life. I think it is. So that's what I want to do. Are you ready to rock and roll? All right, friends, get your Bibles out. We don't have a screen, so if you have a Bible, uh, we're in Genesis 1, Luke chapter 3, and Acts chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, there are some black ones in the pews in front of you, and a lot of you have devices. I don't know if you know this, but you can download the Bible on that thing. It's beautiful. Normally, when we read Scripture at Awaken, we have you stand. I'm going to have you wait till the third passage, which is really about the church, and then we'll stand to read that one. Um, So if you're wondering why I'm not having you stand, that's why. So... Here we go. Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. My grandpa used to tell a joke about baseball, and uh, what's, what's, what's the first reference to baseball in the Bible? In the beginning. Here we go. That's it. Uh, no more jokes. This is all serious now. Uh, This is, of course, the beginning of the story in the Bible, Genesis chapter 1. And how a story begins, I would submit to you, is very important as to what it might say about the story and the nature of the story that's going to be told following it. Uh, It appears, so, so what can be said about this beginning? What can be said about this book and this particular beginning in this story? I would say a couple things. Uh, It appears that God is up to something. Um, I begin with the assumption that God the divine, that there is a God. First, that's an assumption I begin with, so I may not share that with you, but that's one I begin with. And I begin with that assumption that this God is present and active in and through creation, which may not be alarming to some of you, but to to many, especially the ancients who read this book first, that idea that God was present and active in the midst of this creation was a foreign concept to many. But I think we could say that it appears that this God is up to something And this God is active and present in the midst of this creation. That is to say, this being we call God is not far off. It's not somewhere else disinterested or uninvolved or preoccupied. But central to this story and the way in which this begins is that God is right here in the midst of it all. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the Spirit of God was hovering. Have you ever had anyone hover over you? (laughs) Uh, a, a parent or a teacher or a boss, that can be really suffocating, but it can also be quite beautiful when someone just kind of like tends to you, right? Cares for your situation. In the beginning, God is hovering over creation. So it appears that this God is up to something. But not only that, but that the spirit of this God is present. Now, I don't know how new you are or familiar you are to the Christian story, but in the Christian tradition, there's this idea that God is both one and three, which is taken up a lot of ink throughout the pages of history, trying to understand how it is that God is one and yet three. This is one of the first major debates in the Christian church. How is it that we find God, Father, Son, and Spirit all present in the scriptures, but this God is somehow mysteriously one? It says that the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Somehow, this God, which mysteriously exists as one and yet three, is whole and integrated, and yet there is a relationality that exists in, this, in God's self. Have you ever thought about that? That if you think about like, the, the very nature of God, how God is as a being, that's called ontology, this God that we claim that is a part of this story is somehow one and yet three, 
and that in God's threeness, there's this relationality. There's this like communion. The early Christian uh, mothers and fathers talked about this and debated it. And the best they could come up with to describe God was perichoresis, a Greek word, which literally means, uh, peri means circle, and choresis means dance, choreography. That's where we get it from. So God exists as a circle dance. Put that, that's flannel guy worthy right there. That God somehow exists in perfect communion and like ever self-giving relationality. The very nature of God is relationships. And this spirit, the third person of this trinity, is present in the midst of this new beginning in Genesis 1. I think we can also say not only that God is up to something, that the spirit of God is present, but that the thing God is up to is a creative and life-giving work. Some people talk about the mission of God or the missio dei, that's Latin for mission of God. What is God up to? What is God doing? If you look at this story and the way it begins, it appears that God is up to something, and that something is a life-giving and creative work. That when God speaks, things come into existence, and new things are born, and new things arrive on the scene. And that that's what God is doing in this beginning. That this God, which is active and present, not absent and disinterested, is about the work of bringing new things into existence. God is about life. God is about creation. God is about new things being born. Now, let's look to, that's the first passage. Let's look at Luke chapter, uh, chapter 3. And as you turn there, a little bit of backstory, because we've just skipped the entire Old Testament. So I'll fill in just a couple of things for you, Okay. <laughs> Uh, uh, if you're not familiar with this story, in the space between Genesis and Luke, God has invited the humans that now populate the earth. So if you keep reading in Genesis, God creates the heavens and the earth and the animals and the trees and the flowers and the bees and the fish and everything else. And then he creates these humans and they populate the earth. And then God invites this group of people to like co-create, to, uh, to rule and reign, to be co-laborers with God, like to be actively participant, par- participating, active participants in this thing that God is doing, this life-giving and creative work, Right? So God invites this group of people to do that, and uh, uh, you, to say that that project doesn't go well is a bit of an understatement, right? Uh, it appears that whoever has written this book knows something fundamentally true about the human condition and the human soul and our tendencies, which is often to protect ourselves at the cost of others. Have you ever done that before? Uh, we do it all the time. Said differently, I would suggest we have a hard time believing God when God says, you have everything you need in a self-giving, sacrificial, loving relationship with me and each other and the world that you live in. So that project doesn't go so well, and um, since God is active and present and about creation and things becoming alive instead of dying, God's spirit is involved in creating a new thing called Israel. Abraham, or Abram and Sarai, from them this great nation arises. It's called Israel in the Bible. And this group of people is invited to like live out as humans embodied in the world this project, project humanity, project creation, where we are saying yes to sacrificial love and to relationship with God and each other and the world we live in, and, and this group of people is supposed to be like the, the, the sort of pinnacle of it, like if you want to know what it looks like, it's this, and then come and be a part of it, that's the invitation. But again, as you know the story, if you do, that doesn't go so well either, and so in the scriptures, in the Old Testament, we get these promises, these echoes, these sort of murmurings of something that will come that will forever change the way in which this whole thing works. That there will be one who embodies and lives out what it means to be human, fully and wholly. And of course, we know that person to be Jesus. And so that brings us to Luke chapter 
3. Verse 21 reads this way. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And he was praying, and heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice from heaven came saying, You are my son with whom I am well pleased. This is the moment that the Bible has been waiting for up to this point. This is the moment that all of the Israelites and all the people who were supposed to be living as the people of God were waiting for, and this is the, the, like the beginning of a new thing. This is the inauguration of a new thing that God is doing in and through this person called Jesus. So if we have like the first creation in Genesis and we have maybe like a second creation, a creative act in Israel, we now have a third creative act in and through Jesus. What Israel was unable to do, Jesus does in full, right? Remember in Genesis 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was formless and void, and the Spirit of God was hovering over creation. So this was the first creation, God's present and active, and the Spirit of God is present. It's fascinating. Here again, in another important creation moment in Scripture, we have God through Jesus, active and present, and the Spirit of God also present. Now, let's look at Acts chapter 2. This is the beginning. Luke, many would argue, Luke wrote uh, Acts, so we've got basically Luke version 2, or Acts, Luke chapter 2, book 2. And in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1, we're going to read a good portion of Acts 2, and I'll actually invite you to stand for this portion if you can, because this is the beginning of the church. Here's what it says. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. We'll skip to verse 36. Peter has now taken up talking and he's trying to convince the people as to what's happening. And he writes this in verse 36. Therefore, let all of Israel be assured of this. That God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus the Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words... He warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted this message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe in the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You may be seated. So we have Genesis 1, we have Luke chapter 2, we have Acts chapter 2. I would argue all three creation moments where something new is being born. And I want to just look at the theme that runs between them. Like, is there a common denominator in all three of these creative moments in Scripture? 
In the Hebrew, the word is the Ruach Elohim. In, in Greek, it's the Pneuma Tahagion, which is essentially the Spirit of God. When God is doing something new, when this God, who I would argue is active and present, who wants to be involved, when this God is doing something new, the Spirit of God can, rest assured, be present. And in these three passages, it's explicit, and I would argue in other passages, it's implicit. But when God is up to something new, the Spirit of God is always near. The Spirit of God is always present. So the two questions, one of which I just answered, what is present when God moves and acts? I would suggest that the Spirit of God is present. And here's what I find fascinating. This is what I want to sort of hone in on this morning. This word, ruach in Hebrew, and pneuma in Greek, there, oftentimes there's some discrepancies between words, and sometimes a Hebrew word could be translated this way, and a Greek word could be translated this way, but there's some commonalities, but there's some divergences. In this case, both words in both languages can be translated spirit, breath, wind, equally. So, in Genesis 1, the spirit, wind, breath of God is present, bringing new things to life. In, Acts, in, in Luke chapter 3, in Jesus at new creation, the spirit, wind, breath of God is present, about to bring new things to life. And in Acts chapter 2, the spirit, wind, breath of God is present in the creation of what we know as the church. Which leads me to a second question. What is the church? Why are you even here? I don't know if you ever ask these kinds of questions, but I, I, I think they're really important. You know, you might be here because of guilt or duty or obligation or maybe out of habit or maybe because you really do actually like church or because you really do actually think this Jesus guy is something of interest or maybe it's because, uh, you know, we're American. This is what we do. We go to, I, I don't know why you're here, but I want you to consider a deeply theological question of like, what is the church? What is this group of people that gather around the world? I love that song, uh, For the Beauty of the Earth. Verse 4 gets me every time. Like, the church gathered singing this song globally from shore to shore. We've been doing it for thousands of years. Why? What is this thing? A few of my armchair theologian thoughts. I want to argue that the church at its most fundamental level is the current manifestation of what God has always been up to. Now, you might be thinking, oh, no, Micah. <laughs> I have seen the church, and it is not that. Okay, okay, fine. The church, it has its misgivings. It has its misfortunes. Sometimes it looks a little odd or awkward or just asinine. Yes, but in theory, it is a magnificent and beautiful and compelling vision. The church, I would argue, is the current manifestation of what God has always been up to in creation, which is new life, which is resurrection even, flourishing for all of creation. The church is the embodied, remember in Luke chapter 2, we now have Jesus embodying the hopes and dreams, the visions of God. The church is now the embodied hopes and dreams of God, present and active in the world. Did you know that that's what you came to today? The church is the presence of the Spirit of God. Insofar as the Spirit is alive and well in you as a follower of Jesus, the Spirit of God is present when we gather, and so the Spirit, this, is, this, this gathering is the presence of the Spirit of God alive and active in the world. Did you know that that's what you were a part of today? 
The church is the gathered response of humans who have said yes to the invitation of God to participate in this creative act of renewal and restoration led by God in this world right here and right now, not for some time later, empowered by the, by the, spirit, of, the spirit wind breath of God present and alive in you. So I guess I just want to ask you, like, do you want to be a part of that? If, in fact, God is, uh, exists as three, this communal, relational thing, and you were born and made out of that, I would argue that you were made for community. People look for community and a place to belong all the time. We do it every day. Like, bar league softball, that's what's happening there. Uh, <laughs> Curling clubs, that's what's happening. Like scrapbook, you know, gather, cut the pieces, papers, put the pretty things. It's like everyone's looking for the same thing, and that's a place to belong, to know others, and to be known. You could go look for that somewhere else, but you're here today. That's one of the reasons why the church is here, for people to know and be known with one another. Do you want to be a part of that? Do you want to be present and active for love and life? Like, you could, you could, you could uh, uh, like chart the course of your life any number of ways. You could make certain things priorities or other things not priorities. Like, you have choice and agency. Do you want to be a part of something that is involved in and shooting for, aiming at, love and life for all? And, and I would just argue that, like, you could try to, to do things that are for yourself and by yourself, and inevitably you will come up short and wanting every time. People have been saying this for thousands of years. Why don't we listen to them? It always comes up empty when it's about you and for you. You were built for something more than yourself. You were built for community. You were built to be a part of a grand, epic caper. Are you bored? Like, is your life boring? Or are you involved in something that's beyond yourself, that's for someone other than yourself? I, I, I mean, I, I don't want to, like... I'm not saying any of this to make you feel bad. I'm actually saying this because I think that that's better. And that if you say yes to that, you will find joy and life in, in ways you have not found it in other places. That's been my experience. I have so many questions right now, I can hardly stand here. But I keep coming back to this thing about like, is there something out there? Is there something other than me that's like the center of the universe? And if there is, how do I participate in that? And what does that look like? And to me, this story about a God who's active and present, alive, and, 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 and wants life and flourishing and love, and then invites you and I to be a part of that, first in Israel, then in Jesus, and now the church, holy cats. I mean, this is a good story. And I, I, I don't know about you, but you get one crack at this. You have a pen in your hand, you get one crack at writing the story of your life, and I just have a couple questions for you this morning, like, what will that story be about? And you could, again, you can find it elsewhere. You could go to another kind of community, Kiwanis or VFW or any number of clubs, or be a part of those things, and, and God bless you if you choose to do so. I'm just offering the possibility that the church is a part of something far greater than this, and far greater than you, and it's present and active, participating with God right here, right now, for love and for life. And I just want you to, I want to know if you're in. So it's kickoff Sunday, people. Like, Annie up. Put your chips in the table. Put your money where your mouth is. Some of you have been here for a while, and you're just kicking the tires, and that's cool. 
but not for long. We need your parking spots if you're not going to do something. <laughs> Clearly, we need your seats if you're not going to get involved. Like, it's hard work doing this thing, giving yourselves away for sacrifice and love. It's even harder when we got to carry the weight of a bunch of people that aren't doing anything. Now, I'm not saying that's all you. And I'm not saying there isn't a season where we inhale. But I am here this morning to maybe give you a, 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 love, a, a gentle past that didn't, man, it didn't feel very gentle. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I'll reel that back second hour. Is it possible that the spiritual life is as simple as breath? You breathe in. You breathe out. Like all the things we get caught up in, all the arguments we have, all the questions, is it, is it, could it be possible that this thing we're doing, when, when God's present, the Spirit's present, the Spirit-wind breath of God, is that happening right here? As you breathe in and you breathe out, as we breathe in and we breathe out together, is, is, is that what's happening? So my invitation to you this morning is, add your voice. Like, oh, okay. Truly, honestly, you may have come here and you may need a, you may need a moment. And that's fine. This is the church, a church, that has always said, there's space for you to do that, to just sit in the back and to just receive for a while, to just breathe in, to heal, to get put back together, to come to the table and just take the elements for yourself for a bit. But if, it, if that's all it is, if I'm the only voice in your spiritual life, I just, you're going to be disappointed sooner than later, probably sooner. So that's good for a season, right? Abram was blessed so that. Blessed to be a blessing. If you only breathe in, try it. You'll die. Like, it won't, you can't. You can't. You can't. Literally, physically. It's impossible. You cease to exist. Because you were made to do both. So I want to close with an exercise. We're talking about the church. We're talking about what it means to be a part of this community, right? Globally, what is the church? But then, like, what does it mean for you to be a part of this church right here, right now? Like, in your little bulletins, like, there's a whole host of things about the life of this community. And it takes all of us to do it, gang. It really does. I served in the twos and threes class a couple months ago, and I'm telling you, I, I, I think I might do that more. It's a lot of fun to just, like, let kids sit in your lap and read books? My gosh. That's easy. Once a month, could some of you do that? Like the coffee that you drink, it doesn't just show up. <laughs> right? Like somebody's here early and they make that for you every week. Like as a gift of hospitality because that's in their heart. Like what is in your hands? What do you have in this season of life that is uniquely yours that you can exhale? That you can give away? And maybe it's directly tied to Sunday morning ministry at Awaken or life groups or whatever. Maybe it's not, and, and that's fine. But you just you can't keep breathing in. That's American. It's not Christian. So what if we as a community together, thank you, yeah, I'll take that. 
What if we as a community together breathed in and we said, I have needs. I need grace. I I actually can't put it back together. I need to be healed. I need to be restored. This is what I need. Breathe in. And then together we breathed out and said, this is what I have. This is what I can give. This is what I can do. Right? I mean, of course... A bunch of knuckleheads gather on a hill, and all there are are like two loaves and a couple of fish, and Jesus, present with the Spirit, what happens? Everybody gets fed. So I think God can take what we have to offer and do some really amazing things. I really think that's true. So here's my invitation. I'm going to close. I'm going to offer a word of prayer, and I'm going to give a moment of silence. And in that silence, I, want, I would like you to try, if there are kids around, like, that's okay, we give those little caveats for them in the room, to be as still as you possibly can, and to actually, like, listen to your own breath. As you, the human, breathe in and breathe out. First, recognize that that's not guaranteed. You're not entitled that. That's a gift every time it happens. And as you breathe in, can you just ask the question, what do I need? What do you need to receive? As you take in breath, can you name the thing that you need? Jesus answers, well, he asks questions of people all the time, but one of them is, what do you want? I would say another version of that is, what do you need? Can you name the thing that is necessary for you right now to heal and to, res- to be restored and renewed and to maybe even be resurrected? And then as you breathe out, just ask, what do I have to give? What do I have to give? In this season of life, so if there are six kids running around, I get it, right? We're not asking everybody to do the same thing, but you, where you are, what's in your hands? It's a brilliant ad campaign. What's in your wallet? What's in your hands? Breathe in. Can I name what I need? Breathe out. What do I have to give? Pray with me. God, in these next few moments, as we think about what it means to be the church and what it means for me to participate in this church, I pray that your Holy Spirit (laughs) would be active and present in this room in ways that are real and true and tangible and felt and sensed. And I pray that you would help shed light, that you would help turn on the lights around as we breathe in and as we breathe out what we might need and what we might have to give. So Holy Spirit, we surrender to the degree that we can to your leading. We have nothing to fear because you are the spirit of truth and you lead us to truth. And so we surrender ourselves in the next few moments to your leading and your guiding. So say what you need to say. Do what you want to do in our hearts. Give us the courage to move towards what we might need and what we might have. Find us online at www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Awakening Community or on Twitter at Awakening Community. 
see you next time.